Hello, my friend. Hello. How is it going? <clears throat> can you hear me good? I can. Can you hear me all right? I can hear you good. Perfect. Sweet. I'm currently lying down because I feel like uh, absolute crap. Because the second vaccine. Yeah. So we're live already, right? I, I I ask every time. I have to. I always have to make sure. You. Yeah. We are definitely live. We've been live for perfect. 27 seconds. Perfect. Now. Perfect. Perfect. I came prepared. Um. Okay. Yeah, I got my uh, second shot of the vaccine yesterday. Um, all was well. Uh, I, the the arm soreness was minimal compared to the first one. I had it felt like Mike Tyson fucking punched me in the shoulder last time. Uh, but this time around, yeah, I was chilling. And then last night, um, you know, you and I were on a phone call with a few other friends. And then I got off. All of a sudden, I'm feeling nauseous. I'm feeling uh, uh, I got I got chills rolling up and down the spine and then this morning i woke up with a fever very sore muscles uh headache all that good stuff but hey i'm i'm uh i'm glad to have gotten it just you know get out of the way always a good thing to get the vaccine yeah man if you're listening to this you better go get that vax we don't we're not we're not other than that not on that anti-vax shit over here it's we good for you man you know, you know what's so you know what's crazy is that like people always like started to go off on a tangent already. No, nah, don't worry. <laughs> go on. You know, people, people keep going, are man. So concerned about you know, I think there are some genuine concerns about the vaccine. I understand it's putting a foreign substance into your body. It makes you feel like shit for a while. I get it, but I feel like the two most common things I hear are one microchips, and I'm like. Why do you think the government cares about you? You know, like you're in the middle of nowhere doing nothing important. Like, do you think the government wants to track you and cares about what you're doing with your life? I don't think so. Second of all, the additives that people like people like, oh, they put like chemicals and shit. The additives are sugar and salt. We already put enough sugar and salt into our bodies as Americans in the first place. So I wouldn't be too concerned about a little bit more. Uh but yeah, that's my vaccine rant for the day. Go get your shot. I appreciate today. it. Yeah, yeah. So we were talking for the past few weeks about this podcast that we we're going to be doing. For the next few weeks, there's going to be a bunch of, well, this week and next week is going to be two big MMA events with Fight Night with Robert Whitaker versus Calvin Gaslam and also a boxing event of Jake Paul versus Ben Askren. Very There's talk a lot about. of a lot of exciting stuff coming up. I'm I'm potentially, and we'll talk about it in a bit. Most excited for uh, Jake Paul and Ben Askren, as um, sacrilegious as that sounds. It's just so many X factors that will uh, that we'll get into with that one. Definitely, um, I believe next week is going to be UFC 261, where of course three championship fights. Very stacked fights going on during the card and something very entertaining for everybody. But this weekend, Robert Whitaker versus Kelvin Gaslam, two big middleweights who have put on amazing classics before, were supposed to fight a few years ago, but Robert Whitaker dealt with an injury. Kelvin Gaslam fought Israel Adesanya, went on a losing streak, while Whitaker lost the championship to Adesanya before he became undisputed. Um, and now has had to work his way back up into the middle of the division and now having to fight Gaslam. We are going to be talking about that card from the main card of the first fight opener to the main event. 
what fight are you most excited for on this quarter? I would have to say um, it would have to be the main event for me. Um, I'm not sure if it's going to be the most exciting, the most electric fight of the night. I think that could potentially go to the Abdul Razak Al Hassan fight just because there's a lot of uh, knockout potential in that one. But um, I think, you know, this this is one of those fights with Whitaker and Gaston where it's like, I don't want either man to lose. I I really like both of these guys. I really like their trajectory getting back up to this point. Whitaker is number one contender, right, if I'm not mistaken? Yes. Yeah, Gaston was climbing back up. And, you know, I hate to see that one of them has to lose this fight, but I think that, uh, hey, whoever wins, you know, I think their projection is uh, they're, they're, they got to be due for a title shot at some point in the near future. In my personal opinion, I feel like this fight sets up the next championship fight for Adesanya. A lot of people are saying that it could be Marvin Vittori who defeated Kevin Holland last weekend. But for me, I feel like it should obviously be the winner of Whitaker versus Gaslam due to both men still being at the top of the division and Whitaker being in line for a championship fight with his next win. And this could be potentially it. I think... I mean, I would agree with that to a degree. I think that Whitaker definitely, if he wins this fight, deserves it over Vittori. But if Gaslam wins, I mean, I would not mind seeing Gaslam and uh, Vittori before uh, either one of them got a title shot. Vittori, I mean, is he really... Des- I think that if, if his initial fight uh, went through, I think that he would maybe be in a better position. But... Beating Kevin Holland, who, you know, is a fantastic striker, but has a very uh, one-dimensional game plan. Uh, You know, he gets taken out of the ground. He has, you know, very little offense off of his back, very little offense in the clinch. Like, he struggled a lot, we saw with Vittori. He struggled a lot with Brunson, too. Um, So I wouldn't say, like, that's a big enough win for me to justify Vittori getting a title shot, but... I'd say that definitely, like, if Whitaker wins, though, I I mean, for me, like, undisputed, he should be the next man in line. Opening up um, this card will be Luis Pena, a former um, Ultimate Fighter contestant against Alex Munoz, whose most notable win came over Nick Newell, a one-armed fighter who's been able to make a name for himself in the MMA scene. In this fight, I personally believe... Pena can bounce back because recently he lost to Worthy in what was a very great fight ended with a guillotine submission from Worthy to hand Pena a loss. Munoz could be making this a good win for himself because he lost his UFC debut and despite winning on Dana White's contender series never really picked up any type of steam I feel like Pena has all the rights to make this a competitive fight but ultimately win either by decision or submission. Yeah, so, I mean, for Pena, losing to Kamaworthy is no, you know, that, that's that's nothing too embarrassing. As light of a chin as he has, you know, a lot of, you know, we've seen him time and time again get knocked out in the first round. It's like he also has a lot of striking power. So, you know, if he ends up catching you first, you know, you're in a world of hurt. But uh personally i'm actually gonna have to uh disagree with you on this one i think uh you know doing a little bit of research beforehand so pena has a 25 percent tko or knockout rate um to munoz's uh 33 and munoz is from what i've you know seen for myself uh much better on the ground 
I know that Pena has some, uh, he does have like uh, some submission victories, but I think that Munoz in the in the clinch on the ground is going to be a bit more dominant, and I don't think he's going to want to stand up and fight with uh, Pena all too much, even though Munoz has a 33% TKO rate, which is actually higher than Pena. So, I mean, he's definitely a competent striker, but I think he would, if he does get a finish, I think it'd be on the ground. But I think personally, I would probably go with a decision. I think he's going to tire Pena out. I think he's going to keep him on the ground as much as he can. Like, it could, it could honestly be one of those fights where it's like, a three takedown fight at the beginning of each round and he just keeps him on the ground the entire time you know just stuffs all the offense just and just you know smothers and dominates him like vittori dominated holland definitely love the shot you took um the next fight after that will be abdul razak hassan versus jacob malkin al hassan as we've seen before is a very knockout ready type of fighter has 10 knockouts, one knockout loss recently to Chaos Williams. Has lost to the decision twice, but ultimately always comes into the fight ready to hand a knockout. His opponent is a boxer turned MMA fighter, recently got his first loss to Phil Haas in under 20 seconds, and is 4-1 and, and, and could be expecting a slugfest within this one. Who do you think takes this between Jacob and Abdul? Now, I think, uh, you know, there was a reason I brought up this fight earlier. I think that both of these guys are very solid strikers. I believe Jacob is actually a, a sparring partner of Robert Whitaker, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so, you know, he's, he's, he's around experienced guys. But Abdul, I just think that he's a bit more explosive. I think that, uh, you know, in Jacob's last performance, it was just... You know, definitely a tough matchup for him, but very, very unimpressive. Whereas Abdul, I think, has shown a lot more power. He's shown a lot more intensity. I think that... I think it's his fight to lose. I do think that it's going to be a slugfest. Um, I think it's going to be... Uh, it's not going to the end of the fight. There's there's going to be a stoppage, probably a TKO or a knockout. Um, and I'm going to have to go with Abdul. Uh, like, uh, I, I just think that he's got... The, like a certain X factor with his explosiveness that's just going to overwhelm Jacob for the most part. Solid. Solid. Um, the fight after that will be the legendary Andre Olovsky versus Chase Sherman, who has recently returned after he was cut from the UFC, won on a three-fight winning streak at Island Fights, won the Bare Knuckle Fighting Heavyweight Championship, and defeated Isaac um, Villanueva in his return um, to come back to the UFC. Arlovsky, of course, a legend. The most wins in UFC heavyweight history with 19. Most fights in UFC heavyweight history with 33. A former world champ has been in fights with Tim Sylvia, Fabrizio Wardum, Nelson, Rothwell, Feodor Emelianenko, Silva, and many other legends. Could always bring a fight. Who do you see winning this fight and how? This is really, I think it's, um, this fight is very, very important for Chase Sherman, much more than it is for Arlovsky. I mean, Arlovsky, he's been to the top of the mountain. He's proven himself. He's definitely, he, he has pro debut in 1999. Like, he has been 
in this game for a very long time and he's already proven a lot i don't think that uh you know he has much left to to show but he is a seasoned veteran he has fought uh some of the best heavyweights on the planet if not all of the best heavyweights on the planet uh that are still in the game right now um and for many years he was kind of like a gateway to the top and i think that for me, he's still kind of a gateway for Chase Sherman, but more into a gateway of legitimacy. I think that if Chase Sherman wins this fight, I could, you know, I, I have hope for him climbing the ladder and getting into maybe even the top 15 eventually. Um, we'll have to see. But I'm, you know, I'm a fan of Sherman. He's got a lot of power in his punches, but I think he's a little bit too vulnerable on the defensive ends of things. Uh, these are two fighters that... Uh, both love to throw leg kicks, um, but the difference being that Arlovsky checks them, and Sherman often doesn't. He lets himself get hit. Uh, not the best head movement. He gets he gets rocked a lot. Um, so for me, I just don't know if Sherman has what it takes on this level against this magnitude of a competitor. So I'm gonna go with Arlovsky. Um, I would assume. You know, when it's heavyweights, there's going to be a lot of striking, as always. So it's always hard to pick a, you know, a decision finish for the heavyweights. But I'm going to go Arlovsky, and I'm going to go with a uh, TKO finish, probably later in the fight. A fight after that will be, of course, the co-main event. It'll be Jeremy Stevens, who, of course, everybody knows who he is. If you don't, um, what do you call it? A lot of you, example, a lot of UFC fans know who he is. A lot of them know him as the guy who got roast of Conor McGregor. He has wins over Josh Emmett, Duhu Choi, Gilbert Melendez, Hennem Burrell, Darren Elkins, and Rafael Dos Anjos. Um, is currently on a four-fight losing streak against Zabi Magomed Sharipov, Jose Aldo, and Calvin Cater, including a loss to Yair Rodriguez after suffering a no contest to the same opponent um, in the main event fight. Um, his opponent is Draco Close, who recently lost to Biennial Dairouche in what was an instant classic. Wins over Bobby Green, Lando Venata, and Mark Dicasia, and can go to distance or get the finish in his fights. Who do you see winning this and how? Yeah, this is definitely uh, one of the more interesting fights of the weekend because you have two guys and, uh, you know, you don't see this often on the fight night cards until you get to the top of it, but... Here we are. They have, you know, all of their recent losses come to some of the best fighters in the game. And, I mean, honestly, if you ask me, there's no shame in losing to some of these guys. Um, obviously, you don't want to see it happen for them. But, you know, there's there's no embarrassment in, in some of the losses that they've received recently. Um, Jeremy Stevens, I just feel like maybe he kind of hit a ceiling in the UFC. I think, uh, you know, it's sad to say, but his, his biggest claim to fame is definitely that Conor moment, despite all of the big fights he's had, because, you know, he never really got to that upper echelon or that next level. He got some big fights, but he, didn't, he never capitalized on the moment. I think that close is, you know, he's fighting a guy who is now at the top of the division in his prime, going against Tony Ferguson, who, you know, could... Uh, you know, he could beat Tony, and then all of a sudden he's at the top of the division. And 
for me, I think, uh, you know, his just younger career, I think he has more to prove. I think uh, he certainly has an advantage when it comes to takedowns. Uh, Stevens has an advantage with the knockouts and the TKOs, but, you know, I think that he's still a good enough striker. He lands more significant strikes than Stevens, and he gets more takedowns than Stevens, and I think uh, there's a good chance that he controls this fight, uh, takes it to a decision. His average fight time is a, a 15 minutes, so you know he likes to, you know he likes to draw it out. Um, and yeah, I think uh, I, I, I'd go close on this one personally. And the main event, Whitaker Gaslam. Whitaker, of course, we know him as the former welterweight champion with wins over Derek Brunson. Two wins over Yoel Romero, Uriah Hall, Jadakir Sosa, Jared Cannonier, and Darren Till against Gaslam, who has had wins over Vitor Belfort, Uriah Hall, Rick Story, Jake Ellenberger, Hendricks, Kennedy, Bisping, Sosa. He's racked up many wins, but is currently on a was on a current on a three fight losing streak against Israel Adesanya, Darren Till, and Jack Hermanson. In this main event. Who do you see taking this, and who do you see going to fight next? Yeah, so I had to, uh, you know, when it, when it comes to two uh, just revered uh, fighters like this, and they have both of them very, very respectable careers. They're both at the top of their division, uh, both some of the best fighters in their division. Um, I, I had to definitely take some time to look at... Um, all the statistics that they've uh and it's easier with these guys because they have such storied careers to look at stats and kind of you know pick apart certain things and say okay this kind of so i'll start with just by saying that uh their average fight times uh whitaker's average fight is uh 12 minutes 20 seconds gaslam has an average of 12 minutes 18 seconds these guys do not often get quick finishes i personally think that no matter who wins, it's probably going to end up going to decision. And now we get into some of the uh, the more technical aspects. I think that, uh, so for significant strikes per minute, Whitaker's at a 4.82 compared to Gaslam's 3.64. So he's definitely getting more, uh, more punches in, more strikes, more knees, more everything. But Gaslam has a 1.22 takedown average per fight compared to Whitaker's 0.37 nothing too impressive on you know either end of that like i think if, if you're averaging roughly one takedown a fight uh that's probably not going to end up in some sort of like wrestling domination where you just get the guy on the ground and smother him the entire fight i don't think that's going to happen especially because gaslam only has a takedown accuracy of 39 percent compared to whitaker's takedown defense of 84 percent so for him to even take down Whitaker in the first place is going to be a pretty monumental task. I don't think, uh, even if he does get a takedown, I don't think it'll be significant. I don't think he'll keep him on the ground for long. And, uh, you know, with, with that in mind and pairing that with Whitaker's um, higher striking percentages, um, significant strikes, more importantly, um, I, I would have to go with Whitaker on this one. I'm going to go probably Whitaker by decision. Now with that card finished, the fight on that same day will be Jake a boxing event. Jake Paul versus Ben oh, Askren, yeah. a fight you're, you're, a fight you're very very excited for, which confuses me. But a 
it's always exciting to see <laughs> these things happen. Um, Jake Paul going into this fight has had wins over YouTubers. And Nate Robinson. We'll give him that, I guess. Um, ben Askren, former MMA champion in Bellator in one championship, has proven to be an amazing fighter despite, you know, suffering two losses to Damian Maya and Jorge Masvidal, which was very, very highlighted all over the world for the year. Who do you see in this fight going the distance and winning or f- taking the finish? Ben Askren or Jake Paul? Yeah, I mean, you got to love it because you genuinely have no idea what you're getting with this fight. I think... Um, it scares yeah, me. Yeah, I think they did a, a press conference today and somebody asked Ben Askren, hey, to uh, to somebody who's betting, uh, what would you take for this fight? And Ben Askren's like, I'm not betting on this fight. Like, there's so many, like, unpredictable aspects that are, like, you just have no idea. He keeps on saying that... Um, you know, the only chance that Jake Paul has to beat him is that Jake Paul's actually a good boxer. Well, we don't know if Jake Paul's a good boxer because he's only fought, who did he fight? Deji, KSI's brother, and uh, Nate Robinson, a former basketball player who hasn't fought a day in his life. To start off his professional boxing record, he also fought um, a YouTuber named Gib. Gib. Um, yeah. That happened, um, and then he fought Robinson to be, make himself 2-0. and The Desi fight does not count. Um, and Ben Askren is coming up this weekend in the Mercedes-Benz Stadium, and I feel like with how hype this fight is, it really has to deliver. Yeah, and I, I think uh, to a degree it will. I think um, you have two guys who are going to employ two totally different strategies, and you kind of just have to wait and see which one works. I think, uh, you know, obviously we've seen all the videos and, you know, I'm not going to sit here and act like Jake Paul doesn't know how to box. He has very clean looking striking. Uh, I think, you know, obviously we saw with Nate Robinson, he has knockout power, but he's knocking out basketball players. He's not knocking out Ben Askren, who, you know, might not be the, you know, actually let's, I'm not even going to say that. I'm going to say he's one of the probably one of the worst strikers in UFC history. Him throwing a punch looks like somebody like flopping around a wet noodle, uh, you know, before he started training with Freddie Roach and everything. Um, but Ben Askren's been in there with, with killers. He's been in there with some of the best strikers the world has ever seen. And yeah, he didn't fare well against a few of them, namely Mazadal, obviously, but... I think that Askren knows the pressure of going deep into a fight and he knows the pressure of getting hit and how like having to recover and Jake Paul's never had that because Jake Paul's never fought real fighters. He's sparred, but you know, I think he's only sparring with people that are going to tell him what he wants to hear. I don't think he's working with as good of coaches as Ben Askren is. I mean, I don't think you can get much better than Freddie Roach when it comes to boxing. And if you look at uh, Askren's striking, uh, he, he was hitting pads, like, I think maybe yesterday or the day before. His boxing has improved a lot. And you know what? He doesn't even need to box that well. He needs to get in the clinch. He needs to, you know, put weight on Jake's body and tire him out. Because the one thing we don't know about Jake Paul is when he's tired, when it's late in the fight and he's drained, his arms are tired because Ben Askren's just been tugging on him and just putting all his weight on him. Uh, how's he going to respond? And we know that Ben Askren has that strength because I've seen him 
fucking squish watermelons with his arms. Like he's in a great video. Strong. It's yeah, it's fantastic. It really is. Uh, and I don't know if Jake Paul is a good enough striker to actually knock out Ben Askren. And if he does knock out Ben Askren, it's going to be one of the worst moments of my life. Cause I've been, uh, I've been very personally invested in this fight. I just, uh, I know that it's, not the most perfect representation of MMA versus boxing or, or whatever the fuck you'd call what Jake Paul does, but um, you know, Ben Askren is a representative of the MMA community, and I think that you know, uh, he's put a lot of effort into this fight. He thinks that, you know, he's pretty confident in the fact that, you know, if Jake Paul's not that good of a boxer, he's gonna beat him. And if Jake Paul is a good boxer, I'm very, you know, I'm, on, I'm not gonna lie, Jake Paul has been working on this for three years. Uh, his striking looks very clean. We haven't really seen it put to the test, as I've said, but what if Jake Paul beats Ben Askren and then starts actually fighting real boxers? Because that will be like... You know, Ben Askren's not a boxer. This is like the easiest fight that Jake Paul could have taken with a serious fighter. If they wrestled, it would they, fucking Ben Askren would wipe him off the map. It would just be pathetic. Um, but, yeah, and it's like, okay, and if Jake Paul gets a decision victory, it's like, well, what does that say about Jake Paul? He couldn't he couldn't stop a, a guy who's never boxed, a, really, like, trained boxing a day in his life before, like, three or four weeks ago. Like, that doesn't bode well for the rest of his potential boxing future. But having said all that, I think I'm going to go with the um, – the edge of experience and i'm gonna say that i think ben Askren is going to get a decision victory because i think he's like i said i think he's just gonna wear him out and then i think in the later rounds he's gonna start teeing off a bit and i don't think i don't think ben Askren has you know knockout power but i think he could he could shake him up he could uh i, I think jake will be a little stunned and uh if that doesn't happen and jake wins yeah i might just stop watching fighting altogether because uh, that might be the death of it right there <laughs> With that being said, the next fight, next week, UFC 261 through the championship fight, a stacked card. Um, and honestly, one of the most exciting cards after the other three championship fight cards, which was Sterling, Jan, Nunes, Anderson. And I believe the main event was Adesanya versus Jan Brahovic. Um, Now, with this event... We're going to be talking about the main card. Jimmy Crute versus Anthony Smith. Anthony Smith, of course, a lot of people know him for the guy who went from middleweight to light heavyweight. Started knocking out guys like Rashad Evans, Mauricio Shogun Rua, Falcon Uzdemir. He fought John Jones and it was an amazing performance for Jones. No offense to Smith, but he definitely got dominated in that fight. He goes and he fights Alexander Gustafsson, takes a submission win, but recently suffered losses to Glover Teixeira and Alexander Rakic before fighting Devin Clark and taking the victory in their main event. Jimmy Crute, on the other hand, has fought and defeated Paul Craig, Sam Alvey, lost to Misa Shurkinov to end his 10-0 streak, which became 10-1, and has been recently on a two-fight win streak. Who do you see taking the opener and just how? <clears throat> yeah, so, you know, Anthony Smith, you obviously have to uh, give props for the experience. This man has been through the ringer. He's fought some of the best in the world. 
and Jim Cruz really, I feel like he's just getting started. And honestly, I feel like he could really be one of the future top players in this division. I mean, if you look at the stats, he totally outclasses Anthony Smith in almost every regard, except for uh, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't get as many uh, knockouts or submissions. I, I, most of, uh, I think 27% of his fights go to decision compared to Anthony Smith's 9%. But when you look at striking, when you look at grappling, I mean, and defense especially, Crew uh, is landing 4.36 significant strikes per minute to Anthony Smith's 2.94. Um, yeah, and not only is, yeah, so Anthony Smith, I mean, so he's landing 2.94 strikes per minute and absorbing 4.38. So, you know, historically speaking, he gets outstriked. And I know he's fought some of the best strikers ever, but, you know, that doesn't bode well, especially when Jim Crew is landing 4.36 and only absorbing 2.31. Their stats are almost, uh polar opposites on that one and not to mention grappling Kroot is an actual you know he is going to take you down he averages 4.3 uh 33 takedowns per fight and you know that's enough for me to say that he's at least going to take anthony smith down a couple of times and i think when uh you are that successful with your takedowns i think there's a better chance that you're going to keep them down for longer the more takedowns you get, the more tired they'll be. I think he's going to wear him out. Um, yeah, 75% takedown accuracy compared to Anthony Smith's 28%. I don't think Fruit has anything to worry about on the ground. Um, and and also a 2.41 submission average compared to a 0.73. So, honestly, I mean, how is this even possible? He's averaging 2.41 submissions per 15 minutes he's very dominant he's extremely dominant that's that's you know that's fantastic right there i think uh and honestly i think that's how that fight's gonna go i think he's going to take him to the ground i think he's gonna wear him out i think he's going to you know just weaken him up until he gets to the point where he can lock in a submission get his back or something and just you know just end it right there so i think uh, a submission finish for uh, jimmy Crutes is how i'm gonna go with that one the next fight will be a rematch from a fight that happened in 2009. Uriah Hall versus Chris Weidman. They previously fought at Ring of Combat 31 for the um, promotion's middleweight championship. Weidman walked away with a submission victory. And after that, Weidman went on a win streak against Tom Lawler, Damian Maya, Mark Munoz before he defeated Anderson Silva in one, in one of the most upsetting ways possible. Defeated him in a rematch. Defeated Leota Machida. Vitor Belfort. But then he got stuck. And he lost the championship to Luke Rockhold. He went on lost to lose to Yoel Romero. Gago to Musasi. He finally got back into the win column against Calvin Gaslam. Who's fighting this weekend, funny enough. To losing to Jakir Sosa. Dominic Reyes. He recently defeated um, Omar Yakmedov. But feels the need to say that he deserves a championship fight with um after this potential win. Uriah Hall is on a three-fight winning streak over Bevin Lewis, Antonio Carlos Jr., and the legendary Anderson Silva to end his career. Previous fights go against Gegard Mousasi, where he's won. He's also suffered losses to Robert Whitaker, Derek Brunson, and also Gegard Mousasi in one of the rematches. 
he has previously fought Kelvin Gastelum. He's fought many, many fighters. In this fight, who do you think takes the rematch, and who, where do you think this positions them next? Yeah, this is a uh, this is probably the. I talk a lot. No, I no, swear. no, no. I talk a lot. That's my job, man. Um. Well, first and foremost, let me just say that I don't think that either of them are necessarily in position for a title shot after this fight. I think that whoever wins this fight might be like a fight or two away from a title shot. But I mean, these are guys that you know they they face very high level competition, but. You know, they win a lot, they lose a lot, they go on hot streaks, they go on cold streaks, and it's like, you know, they're excellent fighters, of course, and uh, so it, it becomes very difficult, though, when uh, you start looking at uh, their statistics, because obviously Uriah Hall is the better striker. He finishes a giant, like, ridiculous amount of his fights, 76% by knockout or TKO. That is, like, an insane number. Um, doesn't really go for submissions very often, whereas Weidman's stats are a lot more evenly balanced. He almost has like a, a one-third split between knockout submissions and decisions. Um, so he's a, he's a pretty well-balanced uh, fighter, except for, you know, when it comes to these two. Uh, Weidman is a superior at grappling. He's superior at takedowns. 3.76 takedowns per fight compared to a 0.84 um, I think that if this fight goes to the ground, Weidman is going to be dominant. But is Uriah Hall even going to let it get to that point? Does he want to go to the ground? Can he keep him away? Can he keep himself off the ground with his striking? Um, and honestly, I think I have to go with Uriah Hall in this one. I think that, you know, he's a little bit more hot right now. I think he has a little bit more momentum. Uh, so when the stats like are this are like so uh, so evenly split because you don't know if it's going to be a striking match or if it's going to be you know taken to the ground. Like it's hard to tell. Like we're just going to have to see on fight day who comes into the cage as the better man. But when you consider external factors like you know just their motivations, I think Uriah Hall has a lot more to prove uh, being on his win streak right now. And you know he retired Silva. That's you know, an accomplishment that, you know, any fighter wishes they they could say. That's like that's like Eric Rowan retiring the rock at WrestleMania. I mean it's it's I hate it, you for that. It's just a fantastic uh, accomplishment. It's a it's a nice feather in the cap. So I think Uriah Hall, um I think he's going to you know, keep the fight off the ground with his striking. And I think he's going to, uh, you know, he might not be dominating the entire fight. I think it's going to be pretty close. But I think he's going to, you know, hit Wiseman, hit Wiseman a little woozy, uh, you know, weaken him up a little bit. And uh, as for a finish, I could see uh, maybe a, a second or a third round TKO. I don't think he's going to get him cold. But, yeah, I, I would say Uriah Hall for this one. Amazing. The next fight is one of three championship fights. Valentina Shevchenko is will be defending their flyweight championship against Jessica Andraz, um, a former story champion. Valentina Shevchenko, since she last lost to Amanda Nunes, which was in tw- 2017 at UFC 215, she has defeated Priscilla um, Koshera, Joanna Jorjacek, Jessica I, Liz Carmouche, Kathan Shukagan and Jen- Jennifer Meyer 
to defend the championship and bring um prestige to it. Jessica Andrade, of course, we all know her for the dominant knockout over Rose Namajunas, who is also fighting on this card. The KO Slam, which won her the UFC Women's Story Championship. Sadly, she was not able to defend it successfully, as in her next fight, she lost it to Zhang Wiley, who was also fighting on this card against Namajunas. She recently bounced back with a win over Caitlin Chukagan in her flyweight debut, which now earned her a championship fight against Shevchenko, making the division, you know, very hyped up and everything. In this fight, who do you see winning between Shevchenko? Do you see her retaining the championship and continuing her hot streak? Or do you see Andras coming in and being the one to cause the upset and take the title away from Valentina? Yeah, this is one of those fights where I think the statistics are a bit misleading because, um, you know, they're pretty evenly matched when it comes to, uh, you know, they get a lot of knockouts, they get a lot of submissions, they get a like, it's almost like a, like I said, a one-third split between how the fight finishes. Um, but when it comes to striking and grappling, Jessica Andrade technically, I mean, she lands an insane 6.55 significant strikes per minute. Um but she also absorbs 5.28 per minute, whereas uh, Shevchenko is not taking that kind of damage. And I think that Shevchenko's finesse is going to uh, be very important for this fight. I think that Andrade is going to, you know, I think whatever she does, I think she's going to be a little bit too aggressive. And honestly, that's her best shot at winning. I think that if you... If you try to get into a technical fight with Shevchenko, I think she's going to outclass you. I think the best way is to just go for the strikes. Get her, uh, you know, get a knockout, get a submission, you know, just finish the fight. But, um, I mean, Shevchenko is just on fire right now. And honestly, with Andrade, she's got, like, one of the best shots to end this streak. But I have to give this fight to Shevchenko. Nothing, nothing about Andrade tells me that... She is ready to outclass somebody like Shevchenko, who has continuously outclassed everybody she uh, she's fought since Nunez. And uh, I mean, as you know, and it, it kind of as much as I love to see a, a dominant champion, I almost kind of wish that Shevchenko would drop the title and uh, you know shift weight class so we can get uh, get that Nunez fight. I think that Nunez just needs new competition, and like it's it's been what like four years since their last fight roughly um mm-hmm. yeah so I, I think that she's a different fighter right now i think that she is the second best uh women's fighter in the ufc right now um and yeah i'm i'm uh i'm gonna say shevchenko is gonna win this one pretty handily um i'm honestly like it's so hard to tell like how they're gonna win the fight when the splits are so even like this but I'm going to say Shevchenko by knockout or TKO. I think Andrade is going to get a little bit too antsy, a little bit too aggressive, and I think Shevchenko is going to make her pay for that uh, with some counters. The next match, the co-main event of the evening, Zhang Wiley versus Rose Namajunas for the Women's Story Championship. Since arriving in the UFC, Wiley has defeated Jessica Aguilar, Tisa Torres, Andrade, and recently joined Jordi Jacek, which was the fight of the year, the fight of the night, fight of the century, it felt like, from how dominant of a performance Wiley put on while Joanna 
kept coming back and coming back with a huge fucking forehead, which was amazing to see. Rose Namajunas recently defeated Jessica Andrade, um, and was it was a name that was a fight of the night, but with a one streak, um, one win streak going into this fight, going to fight Zhang Weili, despite defeating Jordan Jacek twice before, Michelle Waters and Tisa Torres, Paige Vincent, and Angela Hill. Who do you see going into this fight being the dominant fighter and walking away the championship? Do you see there being a finish, or do you see it going the distance? Uh, I think that no matter how, uh, no matter who wins, I think there will be a finish. Um, and you know, honestly, this is rough because I was, um, I've been leaning with Rose Namajunas for for most of the time, but it's Zhang Weili's just you know, or Weili Zhang, sorry. Uh, just I, I, the more I've learned about her, because you know, I'm I'm somewhat. I'm just really getting into the fight game. I've never even seen uh, her fight live. I've went back and watched some of her uh, previous fights. She's just super dominant, and her striking is phenomenal. And you know, we're talking about striking power. She's got that, you know, loads more than Rose does. But when it comes to submissions, when it comes to the ground game, Rose is you know, very, very, very dangerous. Um but I, I think I'm leaning towards Wiley Zhang at this point just because, you know, as, as uh, efficient as Rose is at uh, locking in submissions and getting finishes that way, she's not the best at getting takedowns. She only averages 1.91 takedowns per fight. Like, and with, with a fighter like Wiley Zhang, like, I think, I think she's dangerous even on the ground. You get caught by, you know, I, I think that Wiley Zhang has uh has to take less steps to the victory i think that for her she's literally going to be one punch away from winning the fight the entire time whereas rose is going to have to take her down wear her out and submit her and you know as good as rose has been and you know she's very consistent and her last loss was kind of fluky um i think wiley zhang is just a little bit too dominant right now and i don't think that rose has the uh the striking to uh, stand up with her, and if you can't stand up with her, it's going to be difficult to get a takedown. It, it really is. And when you're when you're facing a striker like this, you try to shoot for a takedown, they're going to catch you. Like, and that that's it's a very dangerous game to play. Also, Rose kind of lost me with all the, uh, you know, she she brought a lot of Paul. Not to make it personal, because you know I don't I don't believe that that really even factors into the fight. Uh, but you know, she's kind of, she's said some shitty things recently, and I wouldn't be surprised if Wiley Zhang's a little fired up. Yeah, I remember when Joanna mentioned politics into their fight, and we all saw how that happened, uh, how that ended. Um, same thing happened for Rose Namajunas. We will see on April 24. The main event of that fight card, Kamaru Usman defending his welterweight championship in a rematch against Jorge Masvidal. In this fight, we 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 both know how these fighters can work their ways out. Masvidal is a very tough and gritty fighter. Usman has been able to be dominant. Masvidal returned and called it the resurrection. Knocked out Darren Till, knocked out Ben Askren in five seconds, really three seconds. Beat. Nate Diaz for the BMF championship 
and then recently lost to Usman on short notice. With a full fight camp for Mazadal, and Usman coming off of, of wins against Gilbert Burns, Kobe Covington, Woodley, Dos Anjos, Maya. Do you see Usman walking in here dominating the fight without any foot stomps? Or do you see Mazalar coming in here and taking the championship with the full fight camp? Yeah, I mean, this fight, as, uh, you know, I could say that it's very easy to predict. But there's, you know, when, when you have a guy that's as tough as Jorge Masvidal and is as good of a striker as Jorge Masvidal, you always have to give them the... And he has more than just a puncher's chance. Like, he has knockout power. We've seen it happen in ridiculous fashion. We've seen him, you know, strike with some of the best strikers on the planet and, you know, win and dominate. Um, But I think Usman's just a different beast right now. I, I honestly... If... I had to predict, as much as I want this fight to be different, because I want it to be entertaining, you know, it's the first card back in front of a crowd, I would not be surprised if it goes the same way, toe stomps included. I, I honestly, like, it, it honestly... That's would a toe a, stomps. It, dude, I mean, I don't know if they're effective or not, but you know what, I, I think that they would send a message and just be like, hey, like, look, full training camp or not, like, I'm going to put you up against the cage, I'm going to dominate you in the clinch, I'm going to take you to the ground, I'm going to sit on you... I'm going to smother you. And guess what? I'm going to stand up and outstrike you too. He's going to try. I think, uh, I think Usman's letting on, you know, he, he's saying that he, uh, he wants to uh, take Jorge Masvidal's soul uh, with striking. I think he wants to stand up with him more. I think he's smarter than that. He, he doesn't, you know, I think he's a very, very, very competent striker, but Jorge is just super scrappy, super dangerous, super tough. I don't want to stand up with him for too long. I'll, I'll give it a, I'll give it a little go, you know, when he, when he wears him down a little bit and he's like, all right, let's strike now. Like sit on him for like a round or two and then like, okay, let's strike. Let's do it. Cause I think, uh, you know, if you have a fresh Usman and a, in a, in a slightly worn out Masvidal, I think that Usman could be the better striker. Um, I'm, you know, and, and I'm fully confident in his abilities. Um, People, you know, there's a good chance this fight gets written off as boring, but I'm going to go with Kamar Usman with a fourth-round TKO. As much as I would love to see Masvidal get just flatly knocked out, just, you know. But, you know, I, I think that Masvidal, I think, you know, as impressive as some of his wins are, I think that some of them are slightly overrated. I think that his most famous win with Ben Askren, you know, Ben Askren says that, uh, we do that fight nine times out of ten. I beat Jorge Masvidal. I don't know about nine times out of ten, but I believe that. I don't think that Jorge Masvidal has the the wrestling abilities and the the, the clinch abilities and the grappling abilities to, you know, successfully stop somebody who's you know an elite level wrestler. And Kamar Usman's a fantastic wrestler, and you know he's only getting better with his striking. He's working with Trevor Whitman, if I'm not mistaken, like. I just think that he dominates once again. I don't see it going any other way. But as I said, Masvidal does, of course, have the chance that any solid puncher really has. How, how do you how do you see that fight going? How do you see that fight going? As much as people are going to predict that Masvidal will get this highlight knockout, I can honestly see it going in Usman's factor. And I see it ending at least with a fifth round submission. 
Yeah, I mean, if he submitted him too, I mean, that'd be. Uh, I think that would be even better for him if he wants to break his soul. I think there's nothing more uh, humiliating than having to tap out. I think I don't see this fight going the distance, just for how bad the blood is currently between the two. The rematch, we all saw how that happened. The toe stomps. But that was, of course, on a short notice fight from Mazadal, who was also eating pizza on a plane. So it's like, you think about it, you put him in a full fight camp, you let him go into this fight with um, Usman, who, yes, is amazing at wrestling, getting better with his striking, but could very well get shocked and knocked out by Mazadal. I can honestly see it going in Usman's way of just completely pressuring the fight, keeping him against the cage, taking him down as much as he can, and worrying him out until he gets that fifth on submission. Yeah, I, I agree that I almost see that there's no way that this fight goes the distance just because, like you said, there's a lot of bad blood. And I think that they both they both plan on getting the finish. I think Jorge needs that finish if he wants the definitive victory. After their first fight, which was, you know, a bit slower um, and everything, a bit more uh, boring, some might say. And as you mentioned, the toe stomps and everything, just had him in, of the, course. Yeah, had him in the clinch against the cage for a, a good majority of the fight, um, not getting too much offense in. Um, but yeah, I think uh, Jorge knows that, you know, if he really wants to uh, definitively be the, the king of that division, he has to get that knockout. And I think that Kamar Usman will not be satisfied unless he gets a submission or a knockout. They both they both want to destroy each other, and you know that's kind of that's the best fight. I think that yeah, it's very possible that personal feelings uh, blend the uh, or, or warp the statistics and you know kind of change the outcome of the fight because you see guys get you know we saw with with Connor and uh, was it the the Jose Aldo fight where he was that the the thirteen second knockout one. Yes. Yeah, right, right. I just want to make sure. Um, you know, that's, you know, Jose Aldo's not doing that normally. Like, he's not going to be that aggressive right out of the gate. Connor had him worked up. It, it was personal between them. He wanted to, you know, end it early, and it cost him. And I think that, I think Usman's a little too smart to uh, suffer the same fate. I think he's, uh, of like, if not, you know, one of the most, if not the most intelligent fighter in the UFC. Uh, Khabib declared him in his personal eyes the uh, the number one pound for pound fighter, and you know right now I don't know if I can disagree. I think he's been super dominant. I think, uh, and I, I kind of want to see him beat Jorge because I, I think that there's a lot of interesting matchups coming uh, down the pipe. I want to see the uh, the Covington rematch um, first and foremost. I want to see Leon Edwards. I think that would be fascinating. Uh, hey, give me. Uh, Give me Nate. Uh, give me uh, Nate Diaz too, huh? Why not? He's definitely fighting um, Leon Edwards soon. That'll be an exciting fight. The first fight actually to be on the co-main event spot and be five rounds without being a title on the line. Yeah, that's the uh, that's the Diaz effect right there. I mean, those guys are such you know win or loss, they remain such huge draws for the UFC. And we'll we'll do a show to talk about that card more when it uh when it comes closer but yeah that i mean god bless you know as dangerous as it is to uh pack a stadium full of crowds you know if those if those bumpkins in florida wanna hey shout out to florida though if you're from florida yeah i, I didn't mean it. i take it back but 
if, if those <laughs> bumpkins from Florida want to fill an arena maskless with a bunch of stadiums full capacity, that's fine by me, bro. I live in California. Like, I'm on the other side of the country. Like, I don't, it will be cause no issues for me. I'm fully vaccinated now. It's no problem. Well, to speak on something before we end the show, you mentioned Amanda Nunes doesn't have an opponent. Well, breaking news broken by Brett Okamoto from ESPN the Lioness will make her return to the Bantamweight division in August. Per Dana White, Amanda Nunes will be defending her 135-pound title against Juliana Pena, who's on a one-fight win streak over Sarah McMahon and who's been asking to fight Amanda Nunes for the championship. You gotta love the live breaking news. You gotta love it. That's that's, that's the first time it's happened with me. That's amazing, honestly. That's fantastic. I mean, I'm I'm a big fan of the fact that Amanda's staying so active. I think that maybe this will be another... Uh... You know, Pena, she's got a shot, but Amanda's just so dominant right now. Um, it'll be hard to pick anybody else, but this is a good fight. I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad that she's uh, moving around a little bit to keep things fresh, because she is the best women's fighter in UFC history. I think uh, everybody would agree with that. Um, of course, casuals would say like Ronda Rousey, but grow up. You know what I mean? Uh, grow up. <laughs> Feel the grass yeah, to go touch some grass. Like it, we're we're done with that era. Um, there's a couple good fights, but yeah, I, I think Amanda's the most dominant. You know, one of the most dominant champions in UFC history, and uh, it's always a pleasure to see her fight because you know you're either gonna get just a a, a fucking bloodbath. She's gonna knock her opponent around silly. You know, get a submission, knock her out. She's got like ridiculous strength with her striking, or um. We actually might get a competitive Amanda Nunes fight, which would be very interesting to see. Those don't happen too often these days. They do not. That was an amazing show. Thank you so much for being part of it. I hope to talk to you soon, and most likely in the next few weeks, we'll do another podcast. Absolutely. I mean, hey, I think we should start making a habit of doing these for the uh, every UFC show. Because I have a, I have such a horrible habit of um, every single time I uh, I make picks for like a card I like flip flop until like the last minute. So if, if I have like a, a platform where I can just lay out definitively like okay this is what I think is gonna happen, I can't you know I can't cheat myself out of like I'm always like oh yeah I knew that was like like I think with the uh, Adesanya and uh, Yon fight it was like. I think uh, I picked Adesanya, but like, and like leading up to the fight, I'm like, eh, like, I don't know, but like, yeah. <laughs> so I, I like the fact that I have to stick by my convictions. We can be able to have these picks be done. I would honestly love to do that. And I can honestly do some cross crossword puzzles while you're doing that. Yeah. Yeah. This guy, yeah, let me tell you real quick, this guy will be watching UFC shows or we will be watching like, I don't know. It could be like, the, I don't know what, but like. He get if you like a fucking building blowing up and like mid explosion, he'll be like, "Yeah, guys, I'm gonna go to the bathroom real quick. I'll be right back." Like, guys, I'm gonna go get some lunch. I'll be right back. He loves to uh, he loves to he's so uh mysterious. He's like Frank Ocean. He just loves to slip in and out of the human conscious. But hey, speaking of Frank Ocean, uh, we'll do some more music shows too when uh when things start heating up because I know uh nothing too uh juicy is happening right now but yeah when when shit starts picking up we'll uh we'll put it down 
I'm definitely excited for that. Thank you so much for being part of the show. I'll talk to you later. It was a pleasure, sir. Thank you.